Remember how easy it was to learn your ABCs? Thank the Phoenicians. They invented them. Wow, that's one of those big old straight razors, isn't it? Nothing cuts closer. Now I will raise the safety bar, and a ghost will follow you home. <laughs> w. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 622, and together each week, we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, and more as I take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between here on the podcast on my weekly live videos every Wednesday night on Facebook, community books, blog, and more. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be part of the community and conversation by going to www.radio.com slash community. And of course, you can find everything else at www.radio.com and connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangello. We're going to continue our virtual journey through Magic Kingdom as we explore the practical magic of Walt Disney World and the secrets and illusions of Magic Kingdom. We're going to visit Frontierland, Liberty Square, Fantasyland, Storybook Circus, and Tomorrowland and the overall park in general as we explore, dissect, and discuss our favorite and incredible illusions and effects in each park, which is going to help continue to enhance your enjoyment and appreciation next time you visit. I'll then pose our next Disney trivia question of the week for a chance to win a Disney prize package, and then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information, updates, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. We're going to continue this week along our journey through the Magic Kingdom as we make our way virtually from Adventureland to Frontierland and on our way through Liberty Square, Fantasyland, Tomorrowland, and an overall look at the secrets and illusions of Magic Kingdom with my guest, Matthew Krull. So sit back. Relax and enjoy. Um, I will. I'll jump over to Frontierland, and there's 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 one again, sort of uh, illusion with. We'll talk about transition again, and not so much a transition from Adventureland to Frontierland, which is also a smart design. There are a couple of ways to get from Adventureland to Frontierland, but. If you are starting from, say, we round the corner at Pirates, and you were to to continue this journey around the rivers of America, you mentioned the river itself being an illusion. The other part that is, in a sense, an illusion as well, is also part of the reason why it's called Rivers of America. And that's meant to transition you from one part of the U.S. to the next in a very logical uh, direction. So when you start at Thunder Mountain, that is 
if you go to Disneyland, it's themed after Bryce Canyon, which is a real place here in the Walt Disney World. It's themed after uh, Monument Valley, which you'd find in its borders, Arizona and Utah. And with the exception of Splash Mountain, which was added later, as you walk from one part of Frontierland to the next, one of those visual cues that helps bring you into Liberty Square is, of course, Colonial America. And I know this is going into Liberty Square a little bit is intended to, of course, be the colonies were all on the the East Coast, especially the Northeast. And to have that contrast of going from the the Southwest or the West to the the Northeast requires a transition. So as you move from Thunder Mountain, you're going to pass by Pecos Bill, which is themed after still the Southwest parts of New Mexico. You then hit the Country Bear Jamboree. You're continuing your journey. You're now in Colorado, and you'll see that a lot of the influences for the Country Bear Jamboree were around Colorado and, and ski resorts up in, in Colorado and was intentionally supposed to be, a, I believe, a, going into a ski resort before it was added to uh, added to the parks. Frontierland shooting arcade, you're in Texas, and then you actually cross over, and most people miss this. You cross over the Mississippi. There's a little wooden bridge as you're walking from one part of Frontierland to the next. And that's brought, meant to bring you over to Diamond Horseshoe, which is another one of those sort of like Crystal Palace transition points. Has a little bit of colonial influence to its architecture, but also could really fit in the West. And it's sort of meant to be the gateway to the West, which is St. Louis. And then we hit into... Uh, into the Philadelphia area with uh, the Hall of Presidents. And we actually end with the Haunted Mansion, which is supposed to be the Hudson River Valley of New York. So we do. And again, it's not a, a traditional illusion. I know some of the ones I've pointed out here are not so much, uh, while we've pointed out like the, the, the Swiss Family Robinson and the, uh, the thatched roofs on the Enchanted Tiki Room, this is one that I classify as more of a secret than an illusion and one that guests don't always consciously think about but that do logically transition us from one part of frontier land all the way to the other end. And, and since it is a one sort of straight path from one side to the other. No, I think, I think it qualifies, <clears throat> excuse me, as <clears throat> sorry, a large scale illusion that's hiding in plain sight because we we're so focused at looking at things on a micro level that we don't sort of step back and, and look at it as a macro level. And then because what happens, Matt, as you know, when, when you explain that to somebody for the first time, there's that aha moment, like, oh, like I get it. I've I've walked through this park a hundred times and I never realized it until it's pointed out. And then it makes such clear sense, um, which I think is is part of the brilliance and why this section of Magic Kingdom is my favorite because of the very in-depth story that is told without it having to be written in, in, in words and letters and in black and white. So it is um, – I think it very much qualifies for purposes of our conversation. Why not? It it definitely is absolutely an illusion. That being said, um, I, I think we we need to buckle up and go to the home of, you know, it really is the house of all illusions. And I I will tell you that I was like, maybe we need to break Haunted Mansion out into its <laughs> own separate conversation because... This museum of the weird, this house of illusions, all the things that Haunted Mansion was, is, and will always be, is based on really what I think continues to remain the best of the best of illusions. And uh, this could be a very, very deep rabbit hole. We'll try not to go 
too deep in it, but certainly talk about some of the many illusions that are here, maybe how they came to be, and then where where you see them. Uh, and certainly, you know, you say Haunted Mansion, I think you almost, in, in the same sentence, have to mention the Pepper's Ghost illusion, which is seen multiple occasions, I think most prominently and evidently in the Haunted Mansion ballroom scene. Again, Pepper's Ghost, and I'm sure you you get this too, Pepper's Ghost, Matt, was sort of like, oh, wait till I tell my friends how this is made and this is what it's called. Pepper's Ghost is another one that's almost sort of gotten into the zeitgeist. It's become sort of the, the, um, the well-known pop culture term for this very practical effect because it's it's become so fascinating and yet this effect hasn't changed at all since it was first installed in Disneyland and then obviously they were building the two haunted mansions simultaneously but this is an effect that was not created by Disney for Disney in the 1950s it goes back to the 1800s uh, by a professor of chemistry at the London Polytech Institute and was really sort of brought to prominence by Yale Gracie, who learned about this as a kid, reading Popular Mechanics. Kids, pick up a book, trust me. He was reading Popular Mechanics, and he was fascinated by all of these magic tricks and illusions. And there was this um, series of books called The Boy Mechanic. And as a teenager, he read about this illusion, which is nothing more than a gigantic pane of glass between us as guests and the the grand hall below and basically in its most simplest explanation and i'm sure many of you know this already a a a light source is shown on the animatronic figures which are in a room underneath where your doom buggy is riding above the ballroom scene and it's reflected off of the glass which is sort of like a almost a 45 degree angle And it makes them appear as though they are in and disappearing from the great hall underneath. Um, And, and, you know, I was trying to think the most simplest way, you know, you can can create this effect at home. Look, you can create this effect as you walk down Main Street. Because when you're walking by the shops on Main Street USA and you're looking into the windows of these vignettes, you see your reflection in the glass as if it's that same super simple principle of light and glass that continues to hold up over time. You're you're right. It's one of those that, of course, I had about 10 <laughs> under Haunted Mansion <laughs> that I could talk about. And to be fair, I, I did a Haunted Mansion deep dive episode of the show back in 2019. That was two and a half hours just talking simply about this attraction because it is so intricate. I do love the the Pepper's ghost effect still in use and you'll see it appear in other attractions to this day. There's also the one that pops up and I'm not going to point out the specific part in case you haven't been on the attraction yet, but the, the, the infinite hallway scene is another great illusion with that uses mirrors. There's a lot of mirror tricks and that illusion is brought over to rise of the resistance at one particular point. And there's a, a actually a lot of things that rise of the resistance took from, from haunted mansion and from pirates of the Caribbean and other great classic attractions that still hold up today. So that was, I agree the, the pepper's ghost effect, the, 
the infinite hallway, like I mentioned, I think the stretch room is another example of a, a great illusion. There's always the question that people have about whether you go down or if the hall, if the room stretches. The answer is technically both if you're at Disneyland and if you're at Walt Disney World, of course, you can't really go down below because of the Florida turntable. Oh, sorry, turntable, water table uh, that you can't really go too far deep into the ground. So it, it mostly the, the room just stretches above you. Uh, I think I'll also talk about just to point out one. I know I'm giving you five, but Madame Leota is another great illusion that anyone who passes by it. I love that if they were to only have you pass by Madame Leota, perhaps instead of around at almost 360 degrees, just just the front. I think a lot of people would believe that perhaps there's just you can only see it for one particular way and it's 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 a really simple trick but madame leota is very complex and i think that the way that they help convey that is you pass around madame leota in almost exact 360 degrees they really have you go fully around madame leota and at every single angle it's convincing and the, the projection technology that was used for Madame Leota was really, we talk about technology, I think when it first came out in Disneyland was really high tech and still is, is incredibly to this day convincing. I love the fact that it's actually Leota Tombs as well. Uh, Imaginary Leota Tombs uh, lending herself to Madame Leota. And it's one of those, I think, classic effects that... Pepper's Ghost is probably one, but then Madame Leota is usually a close second for favorite illusions at Haunted Mansion for many people. Yeah, and and you know, quickly going back to Pepper's Ghost, like you said, it it's seen and utilized many many other locations throughout Walt Disney World, even in in Magic Kingdom and in, in many adventures of Winnie the Pooh when he falls asleep and and goes into his dream slash nightmare, as it were. Yeah. Um, and supposedly there's um. This, because look, if, if you think about it, the the haunted mansion is is the largest, and I think at the at the time it it may still be the the world's largest Pepper's Ghost effect because that room is like ninety feet wide by like thirty feet deep, so it it's on a grand scale. But supposedly, um, Disney is working on a way to utilize the projector's ghost effect in a portable sense so that it'll actually be used in and on your ride vehicle so it becomes smaller more personal it'll be interesting to see especially knowing what we know that's coming uh, yeah how that might be used on some of those upcoming attractions Uh, and look i have this very unhealthy fascination with madame leota specifically little leota I, i don't know why and i do love that effect which is one of the few that has gotten a little bit of an upgrade over the yes. years because originally it was a very simple yet very effective 16 millimeter film loop that was just projected onto the crystal ball. And then in the 90s uh, in Disneyland, they up they gave Madame a little bit of an upgrade. They allowed her uh, head to float because they used... Um, digitized footage and projected it using um, um, sort of a, a rear projection technology into into the 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 crystal ball. Uh, Walt Disney World's version 
got a a different type. They have a an internal LCD projection that when they did the upgrades to the entire mansion in 2007, uh, that actually, I think, maybe even more effectively got rid of some of the issues that that with earlier rear projections, including the the quality of the image. If you look, the quality of the image in Walt Disney World's uh, Madame Leota floating head, which obviously is you know is this pre-programmed course that the projector is able to uh, mirror and follow so that the projection stays directly on. It's, it's less simple, but still relatively simple because it is not anything more complicated than just a projection that's now able to be mapped and follow the, um, the, the ball. But if you look back or if you think back to, going to Magic Kingdom in in the 80s or 90s and seeing that incredibly effective projection then and then looking at it now. I remember the first time I saw it from the upgrade. I thought it was just absolutely beautiful and even more so because you really, as that ball floats, you you buy into that effect and you, you feel like that ball is floating completely seamlessly synchronized with the projection itself. Yeah, it's a very effective uh, effect that effective effect that that works that works really well. It, it's I think there's a reason why it has such a fandom to it, and uh, that Leota in particular, there, there's such a following of Madame Leota, and why she therefore you know they added the the awesome great they upgraded her her even tombstone outside just because of of how much love Madame Leota gets. And uh, I think it's it's one of those that they might continue to update it over time. But even if it stayed the way it is now, I think it would still be convincing decades from now. Do you have anything else in uh, invention before we move on? Because I have a couple more that I want to just quickly hit. Uh, the only uh, not to take yours, the only three that I'm looking at are and, and of course, if you want to elaborate on any of them, you can the 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 moving busts are one of my favorites in disneyland you get to walk by them in the queue which is one of the things i like about disneyland's mansion versus magic kingdoms is you really do get to play with that effect as you walk past it um and i'll I'll also say the singing busts which is a a similar not quite the same but similar technology to leota yeah so the 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 busts are on here and it really i I sort of have the busts along with this this overarching theme and this this almost this simple projection technology that is utilized in a number of different ways and and that's one of the reasons why I love the bus too because they're elegant in their simplicity um and Yale Gracie who is is you know the master of illusioneering as it were uh, I remember reading a quote from him saying you know I would be tasked with a project and I would go into it not knowing that it couldn't be done. Like I would have this vision of how it could be done. And then it was up to him to sort of figure out how it could do it. And, and he would build things and then almost be surprised at just how effective it really were. And here, too, is this super simple non-technology that remains unchanged 50 plus odd years later uh, because they're using these images that are projected into this concave, not convex in image. So as imagine looking into, imagine holding a bowl and looking into the bottom of it and projecting in there as opposed to 
turning the bowl upside down and have it being sort of outward towards you. They use this simple projection technology that makes it feel like as you are walking by or as you are rolling by in your doom buggy, that the eyes, that the heads, that the faces follow you. This is You can actually find this a number of other places, one of which you really have to look for it. But if you go into uh, the Backlot Express restaurant at MGM Studios, if you use the upstairs entrance, uh, sort of where the... There's multiple entrances, but if you use the one near the Jedi stage and it's where a lot of the sculptures and the paint department is, if you walk in to that uh, glass pane uh, sliding door and turn around, there is this, it's very creepy, there is this uh, impression, this facial impression of what looks like, it almost looks like a nun because she almost has like this, this cowl around her. And as you're walking by, you're like, dude, She's watching me as, and there is no projection. It's just using that concave type bowl, which is continually uh, incredibly effective elsewhere. Uh, very quickly touching on projections, the hat box ghosts effect and illusion, which was finally after years of not being able to get this idea right. Because remember, it was installed in Disneyland when the attraction opened for like. Eight hours, and then they pulled it because they couldn't master it in May of 2015. Um, and this actually, the Hatbox Ghost actually brings together a number of different illusions all in one. Because on the Hatbox Ghost himself, the face is projected onto this physical, you know, the um, um, like mannequin skull inside. Spoiler alert: If you don't want to know how it happens tune away for like 10 seconds but if you look really closely there's also hair on the the bust as well and so when he when the when his head disappears and it pops into the hat box the projection turns off and that skull sort of falls down into the body and then they light the projection inside the hat box and it's this wonderful amazing effect that you think is somehow some sort of incredible and it's not it's all sort of the the continued utilizations of projections misdirections simple animatronic as it were of that head falling away look even even like you said the the bust projections uh, the use of ultraviolet light inside the haunted mansion is incredibly effective and especially in places like the 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 graveyard scene Again, the floating instruments in in the seance room, um, the hitchhiking ghosts, all of these things are technologies that, for the most part, have not been touched, have not been upgraded, um, or needed to be improved upon for five decades. I think it goes, it, what you're talking about is a great uh, sort of point to show why Disney creates so many dark rides. And that's the idea that you can do so much with lighting and you can really, whether it's ultraviolet light or, or, or use of lighting and with projection technology or with the, the general lighting in a room, lighting does so much for illusions. And, and it's really the, the core of a lot of illusions that we see. And so I think that was part of the, the reason why 
Disney created so many and still continues to create so many dark ride attractions. There are a few attractions that are fully outdoors. Uh, Jungle Cruise is a good example, but even that goes through a tunnel. I think Kilimanjaro Safaris, a lot of the Animal Kingdom attractions are are fully outdoors. But uh, and then at night you can do other things with lighting once you do have a dark environment. But the Haunted Mansion is is a great example. If you you enclose an attraction in the dark, you you manipulate and control all the lighting that you that a guest will see and experience at various points of the attraction, and that is is the the pillar of of so many illusions that we see. So I I I have to give my you know hats off to Disney for thinking of that decades ago and for continuing to to make great use of lighting. So where does your illusioneering journey take you next? Let's go to should we go to Fantasyland? I think that would be probably next up. I'm going to pass by a popular one because I I feel like I've given a lot of like sort of go with me here illusion. So I'm going to give a, a real classic one that's actually a new one. And that's over at another attraction that people generally don't even know is there or just skip. And that's Enchanted Tales with Belle. And I'm so glad that I did this attraction when it opened and have gone back to do it a few times. As as long as you're you're willing to maybe be a, a participant in the uh, the experience at the end, which uh, can be very entertaining, the magic mirror illusion that's in the pre-show is, I think, almost an updated version of what you would encounter with the stretch room at the haunted mansion. When guests first experience the haunted mansion, they walk into the stretch room, the doors close behind them. And then your thought is, well, what next? Like, where do we go from here? And it's the same idea with Enchanted Tales with Belle. You enter into Belle's cottage and they disguise the, the, the rest of the attraction. They sort of hide the building, which actually is another great special effect with uh, or illusion with the parks is, is disguising show buildings. But you walk into the cottage and you walk into this room and you see a mirror and it's just a mirror or so you think. And then as they introduce the story, all of a sudden you start to see what would maybe be a pre-show and you think, oh, they're going to portray a little bit of the story of 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 uh, Beauty and the Beast on this mirror. It's a cool use of, of turning a mirror into a, a screen. And then you see the mirror start to expand and grow. And you're like, OK, this is this is interesting. And eventually it's the size of a door. And without even understanding how it happens, suddenly it the mirror disappears and that's now your exit into the next room is you literally walk through where the mirror was. Of course, this is another great example of using lighting and and mirrors and some mechanics involved in there as well to create this illusion. To me, it's one of those that you, regardless if you know how it works, it is still the most convincing illusion you'll probably experience in fantasy land. And I hope this attraction stays around for quite a while, whether they update it over time or whatever they might decide to do. It's one of my favorite illusions in the park. And uh, I, I tell people, wait, if it's a if it's a 50 minute wait, which it can be, you know, pre pandemic, it would get an hour long wait. Sometimes I'm like, just do it for the pre show, just because that illusion is incredible. So it's it was one that was top of my list for Fantasyland. You know, when the attraction was first announced, I was like, great. Another place that I can go and visit Belle because um, she doesn't return my calls anymore. Whatever. It's a separate <laughs> conversation. Matthew, I, I remember my first time experiencing that attraction and 
look, first of all, in terms of setting and theming, from a non-technology perspective, it's wonderfully done. From Maurice's cottage and, and setting the stage, it's brilliant. Um, talking about Lumiere in terms of yes. an animatronic projected character, that alone was fascinating to me. At the time, because there's been some other attractions that have opened, and I still believe it is one of the most remarkable, don't tell me how they did that, but I want to know how they did that attractions. Because when that mirror opens to a doorway that you can walk through, I still have not seen anything that is like that. And you can dissect it, and I'm sure there are explanations online of exactly you know, how between the use of lighting and projections and different effects, how the physical aspect works in terms of the the stretching and the opening and the moving of different panels, that's fine. But you cannot tell me, especially the first time you see that, that you are not like, what in what did I just see? Because there's no way that there was because next time you go, you're like, there's no doorway here. Like you want to almost touch it because there's not. And that doorway appears out of nowhere. And it's a very, very complex series of incredibly well-timed effects and, and mechanics that have to take place in order to do it. But it's also one of the things that when you break it down is relatively simple. It's a fact you can almost recreate at home if you had the dexterity and technology uh, and the, to do it, which I have neither. But <laughs> it's it is absolutely remarkable and to the to the effect of, of being jaw droppingly amazing. It still blows me away whenever I, I I like to do the attraction literally just for that. The other track, the other parts of the attractions are great, too. But as a fan of Imagineering, that was the one part for me that made the attraction a must-see. Yeah, and like you said, it, it's worth, even if you're not a fan of that type of attraction or the story, you owe yourself to go in and, because look, I think attractions and the parks can be enjoyed on many different levels. I think you are probably like me. You know, you can walk into Magic Kingdom not because you need to ride a certain number of attractions for the thrill or the experience, but you go and you break it down mentally because I want to see, I want to, I want to come at it from this perspective, come at that attraction with eyes wide open in, in terms of looking at the technology that's utilized throughout and just from a pure um, uh, technical perspective, be in awe of how they pull that off. I agree. What else did you have, Lou, in Fantasyland? So I'm going to go from super high tech to super low tech because I am a sappy, sentimental, nostalgic kind of guy. And Peter Pan's flight remains one of my favorites. He is my favorite character. I am the boy that still I have no desire to ever grow up, nor do I intend to. And... I still think Peter Pan's flight, both in world and in land, where they are slightly different. I think that star field effect in Disneyland is is beautifully well done. But one effect that remains since day one in in both. And I was almost disappointed when I learned how it was done because that feeling of flying over London. And, if, and I want you to think back pre 
Rise of the Resistance. Pre things like forget Rise, pre Soren, pre Flight of Passage, the feeling of flight that we first experienced probably happened here, where you feel like you are flying over London in this incredibly warm, sentimental, um, serene journey. And as you look down over the city of London, where force perspective is used brilliantly, by the way, and lights and, and black lights, we see and hear the, the city streets of London, uh, those little cars are moving by and, and we see Big Ben off in the distance and the technology utilized to make those little cars drive by is as simple as it gets because it really is nothing more than something akin to a bicycle chain that is painted with these iridescent dots that light up under the black light that makes it look like there is two-way directional traffic happening, you know, hundreds of feet below you. It still does not fail to impress. It it still puts a smile on my face. Even though the curtain is pulled back, I know how it's done. It doesn't matter because it's still remarkably effective. This was, of course, on my list, and I, I sort of cued you up by saying I'm going to pass a classic. This was the classic that I was referring to, and it is an attraction that I love doing, even though it gets the 90-minute wait sometimes, so I might pass it on, on a particular day. I, I, I'm still impressed. I think that even to your point about Soren and Flight of Passage, while they are so convincing... Even with them, there are ways that you can come out of the illusion. I mean, all you have to do with either one of those attractions is look to your left or to your right, and you get a real clear sense of how it all works. But even with, with the flying over London, yes, you can you can understand how it works and 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 still get this understanding of, of, of course, it's not really London below you, and it's not thousands of feet below you, but it's just six or seven feet below you. But still, I find that the practicality of it, you can still appreciate it it for what it is and and still in a way, you know, almost convince yourself you're really flying over London. It's it's just a great, great practical effect. So of course I had that on there as well. Um I will I will pass by the uh, Peter Pan's flight and, and continue walking and there's one that I debated putting for Main Street USA, but it's technically Fantasyland, and that's Cinderella Castle. And it's incredible how the Imagineers took all these stones and bricks and put Cinderella Castle together. And of course, they they didn't, if you look at construction footage. But it's one of the great illusions of the park, and it's it's not just the case with Cinderella Castle, but I love the details. It 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 of course, what I'm referring to is the fact that Cinderella Castle is not really made of stone and brick. It's made of fiberglass that's meant to to look like stone and and it creates this great illusion of a real castle. It's also a lot more practical. It's not quite as expensive as as building a stone castle, but it also allows them to create forced perspective at the, the highest turrets. The stones are a lot smaller than they are at the bottom course if it were if they did use real stone perhaps they'd, they'd make them smaller in some way but uh it wouldn't quite be as uh, easy to create that illusion so the illusion of height with cinderella castle is one thing you know only standing at 189 feet tall it doesn't look quite as it's not quite as big as it really looks 
but the the if you stand right next to it, if you, you stand on that walkway between Liberty Square, uh, Sleepy Hollow, and and the castle itself, and you look at the stones at the bottom, these these tremendous stones at the base of the castle, and then the tiny stones at the top, you really get a sense of the scale of Cinderella Castle. But for me, it's one of those classic illusions that it's it's I think at this point well known, but is you, you know we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the. Uh, the fact that it is not really brick and stone, but uh, made of fiberglass and steel and uh, other real practical building material to design such an iconic structure. Look, I, I find things like Cinderella Castle just in and of themselves, to your point, to be marvels because, uh, look, you know, putting a rector set in my hand and it's I, I can't even build Lego. I couldn't even build a Lego Cinderella Castle, let alone build a real <laughs> castle. But the 600 tons of 600 tons of steel and fiberglass and all these things and and knowing the florida water table being it, it what it is and how they created a foundation that does not move or shift or sink and then being able to make this fiberglass this artificial material look like organic granite rock is spectacular uh, and they built it in only like less than 2 years which is crazy because, you know, it takes longer to build a house <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> um, and it's funny, as you were saying, it reminded me of a story. Uh, for years, I, I would give, I just haven't done them in a long time. I would give private tours of, of Magic Kingdom that would last four to six hours, depending, which is awesome in August, by the way. But <laughs> I love doing it because, I look, we, we love this kind of stuff. And I love um, not just sort of regurgitating information but really walking with people and making it personal to them and telling stories and and i would always have this thing where i would you know get to a certain point and i would start asking questions about cinderella castle and make it sort of a fun trivia type thing and i'd say you know well how many stones would it make you know to to create cinderella castle especially if there were kids there and they'd be like oh they would give me out numbers i'm like no, actually, no. I said, and as I start going into the explanation of the story that there's no stones, I'll, I'll never forget giving this one tour. And as I'm telling the answer, and I'm like, well, there's actually no stones. And she starts shaking her head back and forth, <laughs> like, no. And I'm telling her, she's like, no. And then she, she's audibly going, no, no, that's not right. And I said, oh, I said, you know, it's funny. It actually looks like there's stones, but there's not. She's like, you're wrong. I said, oh, uh, oh, oh, and I'm like, I said, oh, maybe I must have said something. I misspoke. And she says, you're wrong. She says, Cinderella Castle is actually made up of 325,600. I still don't remember to this day. <laughs> 325,618 stones. I'm like, well, see, there you go. That's how convincing it is. And she starts shaking her head again. She's like, you're wrong. She's like, I know for a fact that this is made up of 325,618 stones. So we continue <laughs> to walk up the pathway. And as we get closer to it, I'm like, well, you see, now that we're underneath it, you can see that they really are. And she starts shaking her head again. And now I'm knocking. I'm literally knocking on the castle. I'm like, listen, it's fiberglass. She's like, you're wrong. I So finally, I just gave it. I said, Clearly, my fact, I must be mistaking. And in fact, Cinderella Castle is made up of 325,000. And she starts nodding her head. Yes. Like, finally, Mungello, you get it. So time to update the trivia books. <laughs> <Clearly>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and I and I look, I, I say that story, you know, lovingly and and jokingly because I love the passion that people have for this place. Um, I don't have a ton more, especially but but Cinderella Castle as a whole, and and maybe it ties into what we were talking about earlier. When we get nighttime spectaculars back again, again, we're talking about the show, pretending it's in a non-pandemic. And well, even now, I, I think the castle projection mapping at night is just remarkably well done. And it it really is, you know, when I say using everyday video projectors, I'm not saying that you can run out to Best Buy and get one that can can do the same, but you really can. And it is using this simple projection as opposed to putting it on a flat screen you know in in your living room they're able to map these videos onto any surface turning any three-dimensional shape whether it be a castle we're seeing this now in in a lot of uh, major metropolitan cities this utilization on the sides of buildings and these they're transforming these these structures into these moving, living, breathing, dynamic objects and, and creating optical, optical illusions onto these static objects that are synced up with and cued with, you know, audio cues, which create this brilliant and beautiful uh, uh, audio visual narrative and story that's being told. Look, even now in the pandemic uh, over the holidays, while they didn't have a castle projection show, Disney had holiday castle projections running throughout the night and being able to experience that from, you know, a 270 or so degree angle is just incredible as opposed to having to worry about, you know, I need to be front and center so I can see it. You can see and you almost get a different experience where you um, where you're standing and Disney has taken this technology they continue to improve it and i think what we're going to start to see going forward is this high speed projections because that's that's really what they are but they're also going to be projected onto moving objects as well i know disney that you know there was a patent that was filed a couple of years ago imagine what you see on cinderella castle being projected using again they're using i think on cinderella castle there's like 18 or or 20 or so projectors, but being able to do that, not just inside attractions and outside attractions, but on moving objects as well. It's a great use of new technology. I love that Disney is using it more. I think it's incredibly convincing the way they can use it. I love the use of projection mapping on Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. I'm so glad that they're using the technology and in, in attractions more and more because it can create some really convincing illusions. And the transformation of Cinderella Castle is amazing. And I love the way with even Happily Ever After, they make it, they give it personality. It, it looks like it's moving and bouncing and it, it's just a, a great effect. So I'll I'll second that. I think it's it's one that, it was not on my list, but a great one that's maybe specific to a time of day, of course, um, but I, that I enjoy. I didn't have too many else at Fantasyland. The only other one I'll mention, maybe as a, an honorable mention, is the snow inside Be Our Guest Restaurant. It's not a very elaborate effect, but between that and the West Wing, it, it's two of the reasons why I love, and of course the food, 
the reasons why I love dining at Be Our Guest Restaurant. But um, and then the only other one I had, which, which may or may not have been on your list, is uh, the sort of two hidden Mickey's at, at uh, Journey of the Little Mermaid. And it's the the one, the hidden steamboat, Willie, where you have to be standing at exactly the right spot where they otherwise look like just regular, ordinary rocks. But as you're coming out of the the exit, it just, and actually technically, if you're if you're outside the attraction, you can walk into the exit. It's just a couple of feet and stand, it's stand at just the right height and just the right angle, but it makes a, a hidden steamboat Willie. And same thing, almost like if you want to feel like uh, Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, you visit the attraction on Mickey's birthday, November 18th at exactly noon. And the Imagineers created using a similar type of technology or the sun um, created a hidden Mickey that only appears at that time on his birthday. Otherwise the rest of the year, it's just a kind of elongated um, shape. So it's a couple of a few extra like mini illusions that I really like at fantasy land. And I think those are crazy. Like the sun illusion is just like, okay, <laughs> it's what, and it's funny because now on that day, Everybody on Instagram is trying to get to that attraction at just the right time so you can see it. And if it's a cloudy day or raining, then you got to wait another year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, let's move over to Tomorrowland. Did you have anything in Tomorrowland? It's ironic that Tomorrowland, I had the fewest, I think, of all the lands, which is interesting because I was thinking about what illusions are present in Tomorrowland. And I think one of my favorites is... A very interactive illusion or effect, and that is the um, the sphere right by Rocket Tower Plaza, and it's a great. Um, I think especially pre-pandemic, I think now people are, are a little less weary to to touch everything that they see, but kids especially would have a lot of fun rotating the sphere, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is that that sphere weighs. A lot. It is an incredibly heavy, you know, several tons, I believe, um, sphere. But it's a great use of physics, and it's not a, a, a Disney specific illusion, but it's one that they brought to Magic Kingdom, where the base on which the sphere sits is exactly the same shape as the sphere, so it literally fits perfectly. And then using water as this really thin layer. Um, between the base and the sphere itself, it's almost as if you were to put a really heavy object on ice and it requires a much easier push um, to to move it. it. It removes a lot of the friction, of course, that would be present if the sphere was on top of the base itself. And it's one of those things that people don't maybe realize, but it's it's a great use of physics. And I think it applies very much to Tomorrowland. And uh, again, not so much even a special effect, just I love when Disney uses practical physics to make something um, that uh, is almost unbelievable. And I don't think, again, people realize that that is a, a really great use of um, of physics to what otherwise would it would be impossible to move that sphere if it, if it wasn't for the exact design and that thin layer of water between the base and the sphere itself. So it's so funny because that's what I had on my list as well. And I'm like, Mangello, you must be tired because it's Tomorrowland. This needs to be the home of all the most impressive technology and special effects. And it's not. And I'll qualify that by saying, put an asterisk there, because it's not, I think, right now. 
because I believe in my little nerdy heart of hearts that we are on the cusp of what is going to be the next major update reimagineering of Tomorrowland that will be ushered in by the Tron light cycle run, which quick aside is so good. Um, I'm so excited. Oh my God. Like at night, it's incredible. That being said, and I think, you know, I almost, I almost put carousel of progress because I think sort of the way the, the scenes rotate was at the time a brilliant use of, of how does we sort of move people from stage to stage. Well, we don't move the stage, we move the people. So it's again, brilliant in its simplicity, but there's not a lot of, of high use of illusions or technology or tricks, you know, that we haven't either talked about before or that, you know, are, are sort of requisite parts of the attractions, right? There's small things probably in Space Mountain and there's the timing and synchronization, synchronization of, of audio and effects, and but not anything that you can look at right now and say, yeah, here is a, here's a great special effect or illusion that's created in Tomorrowland, um, which I think is, is very, very interesting on a lot of different levels. Yeah. The, to your point, the outside of, I think Carousel of Progress is a great example. Space Mountain, I was even struggling. There are, to your point, a lot of like small things, especially I love the, the little um, star tunnel uh, windows into space as you're walking through the queue Otherwise, the only illusion I really thought of with Space Mountain is the illusion of speed as you're moving through Space Mountain, because I I often like to ask that trivia question, how fast do you think Space Mountain goes? And people will sometimes say 40, 45, 50 miles an hour. And then I have to say, well, it actually only reaches a top speed of 28 miles an hour. It just feels so fast because the tight turns and you're in a small rocket and it, 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 it's of course the, the track itself, just the quick shifting of, um, there was a lot of force in space mountain because it's such a, um, you know, there are tight turns and quick drops and, and very like micro movements in the, in the track design, but the main effect is darkness. And if you remove light, it completely, um, removes your perception of how fast you're going, and now all you have to go by is you can see the track a little bit, but it's still so dark in there that you really are just going by what you feel and it feels forceful. So therefore you think it's fast. Um, and Disneyland's is an ex- Disneyland's version, which is one of my favorites is, is an except it takes that even further. Um, but with other special effects, but yeah, just the pure illusion of darkness is enough to convince you that you are going a lot faster than 28 miles an hour. So, you know, maybe to sort of, you know, come full circle and and to sort of start to wrap this is one of my favorite effects about Magic Kingdom is Magic Kingdom itself. And I know we touched on this very briefly at the beginning as we were talking about Main Street USA and the angles, etc. You know, you say that that Florida has no mountains. Uh, Magic Kingdom is almost, you know, this this little bit of a man-made mountain in and of itself, because of the way the illusion of what Magic Kingdom is, and and I and again, this is now one of those things that uh, used to be that you know, Utilidors was like the thing of urban legend, right? At way back when, pre-internet days, it was the thing of urban legend. 
And then there was, you know, uh, uh, people talking about it and cast members talking about it and and these secret, you know, backstage photos. And now there's tours that you can take through the Utilidors. But I think the fact that and and the brilliant uh, the mechanical and, and design and electrical and all the types of engineering that were used to create Magic Kingdom is one of the most remarkable special effects that hides in plain sight. Um, you know, the idea to dig out 8 million tons of earth from in front of the Magic Kingdom, which would, which would by the way, which would give you not just the Seven Seas Lagoon, but all this beautiful white sand that you could use for some of the beaches, but to use this and build this on top of this structure that would form sort of the, the ground level, really the base level of Magic Kingdom where the utility is lit. So you're, you're forming this, and we mentioned before, this this barely noticeable incline to give this ground level illusion that we're really actually about 15 feet above ground level because of these nine acres of tunnels that are under our feet um, that is this real working city that exists because obviously as you know we mentioned before the high water table you can't dig there's no basements in florida they they just don't work here because of the high water table so what do you do you make the basement the ground floor and you build on top of it i think just the idea of that itself was brilliant uh to be able to do that and then the engineering the foresight and look the idea of moving 8 million tons of earth to me is just it's incredible to see you know there's some there's some video there's a, a lot of pictures from back then but it is a remarkable it continues to be you know this this special effects that exists you know hidden to everyday guests i love that it's unique to magic kingdom i love how it almost in elevating the park makes it more visible from other points around the seven seas lagoon and to know that it was all conceived of even because waltz in disneyland would see cast members needing to take to get into or out of their ships the you know the story of the frontierland cast member walking through tomorrowland and defeating the illusion of the city of the future or the you know a, a, a land of the future to now design an entire what some people believe is underground, but to your point, is really just the first floor of the park system under the park itself is such a, a engineering marvel. And it's a brilliant way to handle all the administrative functions of the park to I mean, you've got costuming down there. You've got administrative offices. You have where cast members can take a break you know, from from their shifts. And it's an easy way to get thousands of cast members into and out of the park and and from one part of the park to the next seamlessly. And uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot that's down there and I know there could be the entire episode de- devoted to the Utilidors, but um, at, if you're, if you're lucky enough to do the uh, either the keys of the kingdom tour or be a cast member and do part of traditions as they take you in through the back exit under uh, the main entrance of the Utilidors in Fantasyland, you really get a sense of, of the scale of it because you can stand back there and see first floor tunnel, Second floor, hey, here are the show buildings for Fantasyland. It's it's quite a sight to see. And uh, you're right, Lou. It's probably one of my favorite facts and a great way to cap off our list is with the Utilidors. 
I remember taking, uh, it was called Backstage Magic at the time and doing a tour where they brought you into the util doors. And, and I'm, I'd be curious now, and I don't think, I don't think you can see it anymore, but you used to be able to, to go in and see um, the DAX system, which was the digital animation control system, which was this central, you know, computer nerve center where all of the animatronics were controlled, all of the doors opening and closing for each of the uh, attractions was utilized. Um, sound systems, uh, um, you know, the 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 RFID pucks for to control parades, fire prevention, power, everything was in the central location. I believe after 9-11, you know, you can no longer go, but a lot of that stuff was actually analog even at the time it still wasn't digital yet i'd be curious to see what that looks like but i i think part of what makes this impressive and foresight um so incredible was i think we all know the story of of, you know walt walking through um uh, tomorrowland and he saw a frontierland cowboy walking by in in uh, in Disneyland and said, look, this this is no bueno. We can't have this because it is instantly ruining the illusion. No, he was seeing, I think he saw a cowboy in Frontierland or a a cowboy, uh, no, so, no, he saw an astronaut in Frontierland or a cowboy, whatever. He saw the one person in the wrong place. <laughs> no, it's right. He saw a, um, he saw a cast member in uh, a, a Frontierland cowboy walking through Tomorrowland. And that was sort of his aha moment. And he said, we can't have this happen. We need to come up with something, a system to not make that happen. So instead of coming up with some sort of backstage card or system, they design this utilidor system, which takes the, the projected cost of Magic Kingdom from $4 million to $9 million. Like you, I mean, you more than double the expense by creating this thing that yes, will serve other purposes, but really was the, the, the impetus was the importance of show, you know, the importance of show for Walt Disney was, was prime as well as safety and all those other things. But um, I, I think it's, it's, just fascinating from a design, engineering, storytelling, um, uh, so many different ways, just what the Utilidors represent. I completely agree. It's it's like I said, in engineering Marvel, it's one of the things I love about Magic Kingdom. It's amazing. They more than doubled the budget just because of it. But I think the payoff is there. Yeah, and I think, you know, to, to that point, as, as, you know, there's so much I think that we take for granted – and we're talking about some of the the super special effects, right? The illusions. But I think that there is so much that takes place in the utilidors and behind the scenes from a, a technical and a technological point of view. You know, when we're on an attraction and just the ability to, to ensure that what we see is synchronized to what we hear, um, both in attractions on stage with parades, right? Sort of how did that that parade music is able to flow along with seamlessly along with the parade floats. There's so much high technology that's being used in terms of uh, you know not just Wi-Fi, but they use 
satellite synchronization for a lot of these things as well. There's no mechanical media that is used in terms of, so think, you know, like a, um, like there's no sort of like hard disks that are used. There's all this sort of um, non-mechanical media that's used to store and synchronize this. And it is all done with safety being first. Um, the, the, the mechanical engineering and the control engineering is all done, yes, for show, but it's also done for safety point in terms of having the, these, these multi-point safety controls in place as well um, is, is we don't think about it until it happens, but that's why it's not just the most magical place on earth. It's also the safest place on earth um, as well. And what we are, are sort of, and I, I want to be clear, what we're sort of, when we use words like simple, we understand and acknowledge that it, it appears simple, but there is so much that goes into it from a design and an execution point of view. That is part of the reason why we wanted to do this was to bring that uh, focus and attention to light to make you look for some of these things, to make you appreciate them more and understand that sometimes even the simplest effects require a uh, an inordinate amount uh, inordinate amount of teamwork and planning and execution in order to make that show as perfect as it appears to us as guests as a former cast member i could tell you it it's exactly how it works and it safety is always the top priority it's incredible the measure safety goes to to keep guests safe and uh it's it's amazing to see what they design and build and and continue to operate. I'm such a fan, as as I said, of these illusions. And uh, I, with everything they create that's new, I always want to dig in and figure out how it all works. It's it's exciting to to learn about. You know the oh, I was just about to wrap it up, and I, there was one other. You know, I, I'm going to have to include this because it's ridiculous, but it's fun, and we all know it, and we love it. I have to make sure I add onto the list Snope. Oh, of course. <laughs> when it's look. <laughs> We take for granted in Florida that it snows not just on Main Street but but other places in Walt Disney World. And look, we 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 laugh half jokingly about snow, but there's there is this proprietary blend of of um, of ingredients that Disney uses to make this non-toxic and completely safe and if you notice if you get it on your clothes or on your hands it doesn't leave a stain it's not there's no soapy residue at all and you know they create these these um these devices that that shoot this shoot these snowflakes out into the sky and then break down in you know 60 seconds with no trace behind it um we didn't we not, we didn't always have snope but now it's one of the things we look for during the holiday seasons, uh, not just in Magic Kingdom, but elsewhere. So I wanted to give a little bit of love to Snope. It's a great uh, holiday specific illusion that I, I always enjoy as well. You can only see it during the holidays and it's a good reason to go to, to Disney at that time of year. So I want to know from you, our friend, the listener, who's hopefully still sitting here with us uh, with your favorite Magic Kingdom snack in hand. I want to know from you, what is your most amazing or fascinating bit of magic? The illusion that just makes you say, wow, every single time you see it in Magic Kingdom for you. 
couple of ways you can let us know. One, you can call the voicemail. Be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. Let us know. I will play it on the air. Or go to the Clubhouse. That is our group on Facebook at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. I will post that question there. I would love to hear your thoughts. Or if we missed any, which I'm sure that we did, I want to know which one you're screaming at your car or your phone. Mangello, man, how could you possibly not have mentioned X? Let us know what we missed. And then please make sure you go and check out the Imagineer podcast. Matt, tell everybody where they can find you. Quite simple. Probably the easiest way to link to all of it is ImagineerPodcast.com. But if you find or search for Imagineer Podcast on your favorite podcast app, we're there. We're going to be at 100 episodes, not quite as many as the WDW Radio Show quite yet, but 100 episodes this uh, March. And uh, you can also follow Imagineer Podcast on social media. On Inst- I'm biggest on Instagram, also present on Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. I try to use TikTok as often as I can just to be relevant. <laughs> But uh, I'm also in the WDW Radio Clubhouse, so I will uh, look forward to seeing your answers to uh, to the question that Lou just presented and see what we might have missed or what your favorites are. Cool. I will link all those in the show notes at WDWRadio.com. And Matt, man, we obviously uh, we're going to have to do this again. There are many more Please. illusions and special effects throughout the parks and the resorts that we'll have to uh, we'll catch have to do uh, in an upcoming episode. I would love to. This is just Magic Kingdom. Two hours. I can't even imagine. <laughs> All right. What's your first, what's your personal favorite? If you could sort of just take home and sort of, you know, look at that one special effect in Magic Kingdom. What's your favorite? I'm going to go back to the Magic Mirror at Enchanted Tales with Belle. I know we've got Haunted Mansion, but I think despite the classics that are present in Haunted Mansion, I think they, they upped the bar with that magic mirror effect so I'd pick that one it, it, Little Leota Little Leota Madam Leota. Little Leota <laughs> yeah I'm just I, 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 there's something about the Haunted Mansion for me that still does it yeah I don't blame you um, I, I had a feeling it was going to be two hours Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details in what you see, hear, taste, or remember. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via the online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. And this week's trivia contest is brought to you by fun.com. If you go to www.radio.com fun, you can save on toys, collectibles, clothing, stuff for your home or your office, and so much more. There's something for everybody in every age. They have Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, Funko, you name it. They have incredible selection, great customer service, and fast, secure shipping. They're going to help you find the best birthday, holiday, or anytime gift in the world for somebody else or like me, shop for yourself. You visit www.radio.com slash fun and you can save 15% on your first order when you sign up for their newsletter. Go check out everything they have to offer at www.radio.com slash fun. So before we get to this week's trivia question, let's go back, review last week's and select our winner. So last week in the spirit 
bad pun intended, of virtually touring the Magic Kingdom's secrets and illusions, I wanted to ask you a question about my favorite attraction, which is, of course, the Haunted Mansion. And your question simply was to tell me, what is the name of the bride currently featured in the Haunted Mansion attic? Now, again, thanks to the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct or mostly correct, and knew that she is, of course, Constance, or more specifically, Constance Hatchaway, also known as the Black Widow Bride. Constance appears not just here in Walt Disney World, but another version in Disneyland as well. She's also sometimes referred to as the Axe Bride. And if you remember, she actually replaced the original Bride character that was introduced back in 2006 when they also updated the entire attic scene to better tell the story of Constance and her many now-deceased husbands like Ambrose Harper, Frank Banks, Marquis de Doom, Reginald Kane, and George Hightower. Now, she's had five husbands because each of them has met a an untimely death, as it were. And if you pay very close attention, when you see Constance, you'll see that she's wearing five pearl necklaces, each one representing each one of her husbands or victims. As you make your way through the attic scene, every time you see her in a new marriage portrait, she's wearing an additional strand of pearls around her neck. And if you connect the dots, you'll see that her last husband was George Hightower. You're also gonna notice that seeing Constance in the attic is not the first time you've ever seen her before. Because if you look in the stretching room, you'll see that Constance obviously not only never got caught, but she is sitting on top of a gravestone of her last husband, George, which now makes Constance the owner of the Haunted Mansion. So there you go. Simple question, long answer. Figured I'd give you the entire backstory. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week you were playing for a copy of my Disney Interviews book, Volume 1, a copy of my 102 Ways to Save Money for Not Walt Disney World book, also Volume 1, and all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom's history, secrets, and stories broken down land by land. You can get copies of any or all those products for yourself or a friend by visiting www.radio.com. But one thing you can't find there is something else that's part of the prize package this week is a WW Radio Cobalt Blue logo mug, which I'll send out to this week's winner, who, randomly selected, is Joseph Kafari. So, Joseph, congratulations. I have your information. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So we're going to go from Magic Kingdom to Disney's Hollywood Studios. I'm going to ask you another very simple question that I know you know the answer to, but just let's see if you can put the pieces together in your head. So tell me, in the great movie ride, may you rest in peace, what scene came directly after the Old West scene? So without Googling, see if you can do it in your mind. See if you can remember as you went through the great movie ride, what scene came directly after the Old West scene? You have until Sunday, February 21st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the form there. And again, this week you're playing for the Disney Interviews book, the 102 Ways book, all seven of the audio tours, and a WW Radio Cobalt Blue mug. So good luck. And have fun.
That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I hope you had fun, learned something new, and that the show brought a little bit of happiness and Disney magic to your day. I'd love to hear your thoughts on your favorite illusion or secret or trick in Magic Kingdom. Please come by, discuss in the WW Radio Clubhouse. That is our community on Facebook at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can also connect and talk with me on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Please also make sure you like the WW Radio page on Facebook and check out the WW Radio blog at www.radio.com. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com, or call the voicemail be heard on the air. Share your thoughts about this or any episode or question that you might have at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WW1. Please join me this and every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for www.radio.live.com. It's a live video broadcast on Facebook where we talk about not just this week's show, but my top five live, my Disney Plus pick of the week, anything that you want to chat about as well. Also take your calls again every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.radio.live.com. Speaking of community, I want to sincerely thank everyone who is part of the WW Radio Nation family. I appreciate your support and your friendship and your help, and I love being able to give back to you each and every month, including scavenger hunts, monthly care packages from Walt Disney World, our live video group calls, and lots more. I want to thank some of the new and longtime members of the Nation family, including Mike DeCutis, Connor B., Mike Pascarello, Kaylee Shu, and Joy Johnston. If you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but get those exclusive rewards every month, visit www.radionation.com. It starts at as little as a dollar a month. It's obviously completely optional, but it does really go to help the show. Show that you love and listen to WW Radio, and don't forget that a portion of the proceeds of your contributions go to our Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And thanks to and because of you, we've raised more than $410,000 to help send children with life-threatening illnesses and their families to Walt Disney World. Again, to learn more, visit www.radionation.com. And to learn more about our Dream Team Project, you can visit dreamteamproject.org. And as always, I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity to share my passion for Disney with you. And I'd love to help you Turn whatever it is that you love into what you do with one-on-one coaching. We have a small mastermind group with one spot left. Speaking to your in-person or virtual event and more, you can visit loumangelo.com. Thanks, as always, to Becky Mackin and the entire team over at mousefantravel.com. Whether you're looking to book a trip to Walt Disney World or travel anywhere, you can visit mousefantravel.com for an incredible level of personal service that really is their hallmark, all at no cost to you. Visit them at mousefantravel.com. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, I mean that sincerely. All I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. There's lots of different ways you can do it. If you want to wear some WW Radio logo gear, you can visit www.radio.com slash shirts. You can tell a friend by sharing out a link to this or your favorite episode. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over an Apple podcast. It is incredibly helpful. I want to thank some recent reviewers like... Fish48223 who says, I can't afford to go to Disney, but I can't afford to download the WW Radio podcast, and I do. They're free. The magic returns with every podcast I listen to. The history, the storytelling, the lists, and the interviews are fabulous. I've re-listened to episodes on several occasions, and Lou's show is fabulous and magical. Chewy0012 says, I don't know why it took a pandemic for me to listen to podcasts for fun instead of just for work. 
So glad I found WWE Radio. I miss traveling to Florida to visit my favorite place on Earth. And Lou puts out an amazingly informative and entertaining show each week. Makes me long to get back to Disney and experience the magic again. Great show. Keep it up. And Coco Ellipso says, Thanks, Lou. I'm a 52-year-old dad that lived in Disney for so many years with having four kids and being local. As a kid, we spent so many memorable times in Disney. I'm an old nostalgic guy and listening to your podcast from day one. Talk about reliving the memories. At times, it brought me right back to those days. I love the details you include. For those wondering what it's like to visit Disney, this is the podcast for you. You want to relive your memories? This is the podcast for you. Coco Ellipso, Chewy, and Fish. Thank you so very much again. To rate and review the show, just search for WW Radio and Apple Podcasts or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. It'll give you a direct link and instructions on how to do it. Finally, most importantly, I hope that you enjoyed this and all of the shows and I hope that they make your day happier, maybe inspire you to be a little bit better and brings a little bit of positive light to you each and every week. I ask you once again to please, as you go out there, Choose the good, to find the good in anything that you do, anything that you encounter. Positivity is contagious. And by choosing the good, you can be the good and spread that positivity to others. I think we need it now more than ever. And most importantly, I want to say thank you to you for taking the time to listen, to share, and be part of the community each and every week and for everything that you have done for me. If there's some way that I can repay your generosity, please Reach out and let me know. I hope to see you on the live show on Wednesday night. I hope to see you back here again on the podcast next week. So until next time, I love you. I appreciate you. See ya. Hi, Lou. It's a fellow fan, Disney fan, Marlisa, calling to let you know we're at Animal Kingdom, and we were at Sanaa eating the wonderful service bread. We also got that entree um, put Pajali, I think it's called, and my mom and I are here, and we absolutely love it. Except it was two small portions, <laughs> the entree, but um, we loved it. So thank you so much for the suggestion, and I ate most of the bread. It was so good. Thanks for the suggestion, Lou. Hey, Lou. Hey, everybody. This is Cody from Tennessee, and I just got finished listening to the resort review on Art of Animation, and I've never stayed at Art of Animation, but this last time that I was there with my family um, on our off day from the parks, I had some meetings that took me on and off property, um, and so I had my family meet me at Art of Animation um, specifically so we could see the cars section of that hotel, which is amazing, so I definitely agree um, the the theming of that part and seeing the kids run up and getting to take pictures and, and see all the characters is, uh, was pretty awesome. So thanks. Have a good rest of the week. Thanks for putting good out in the world. Bye. Hi, Lou and WDW radio family. It is Elizabeth from Massachusetts and it's about 8:30 PM on Friday, February 5th. Just calling in cause I was listening to um, episode 366, yeah, that was it, um, where you, Becky, were doing a little bit of um, listener emails and questions, and a um, listener called in about the smells of a resort, and I just wanted to give a ginormous and huge 
Virtual thank you to Lisa, who you've had on the show before, who does Core Memory Candles. Um, I have searched high and low for park or candles in general that sound or smell like the parks and Disney and remind me of it. But um, hers, I don't know what it is. I don't know what magic she's brewing, but hers are top of the notch and, in my opinion, the most accurate. You can also tell she pours them with love and makes them with love um, and really, like, puts her all into it. So I would 1,000% recommend um, her candles. Again, it's Core Memory Candles. Google it. Buy all of them. Don't, like, not go and do it right now. Go and do it right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she's awesome, and she really, like, literally um, turned around my entire holiday mentally. Because um, I was going through some health stuff. So, um, huge shout out to her. I hope she listens to this. And I just want to say thank you, Lisa, because you really uh, made a difference. So, I hope everyone's doing well. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. Stay positive. Be kind. And be awesome. I will talk to you all soon. And, oh, oh, my God. I forgot to say, romance, uh, the romance episode. So good. Loved it. I will say one of my most favorite things that I've done that is quote-unquote romantic was actually with my sister, which I've heard other people call in and say, like, sibling stuff or family stuff, which I love, um, is taking the pictures with the tangled lanterns in front of the tangled bathrooms. I think that's so cool. It's, you know, dimly lit, romantic, so magical. If you're a Disney fan, like, quintessential Disney magic, it feels like you're in the movie. So I've had a moment with my sister doing that where – Whenever I think of Disney and it just being romantic and, you know, just everything that you think of when you think of that Disney magic and transporting you to other places, that's it. So hope actually everyone has a great Valentine's Day, too. Anyway, again, be kind, be positive, smile, um, and, yeah, have a great weekend. <laughs> Talk to you all later. Bye. Hello, Lou Mangiello. It's Darlene Nierke from formerly of West Seneca, New York, and a I am calling in to say that I'm very excited that I got into the Everglaze private event this weekend to test events again in Disney World, (laughs) Disney Springs. I am so excited. It's going to be so much fun. I hope everybody had a wonderful Valentine's Day. And now we are on a long weekend for the President's Day weekend. So, Have a magical day. Stay positive and please wear your mask and keep everybody safe. And I hope this is gone sooner than later so Lou can start doing adventures and cruises and going across the pond and even to the other side of the United States. Have a magical day. Thank you.